0: Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklavik. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Happy Friday. I figured I would uh, take a slow Friday afternoon and use it to uh, give you kind of a rundown on these USDA Ag Forum numbers and some of my thoughts surrounding the Ag Forum numbers. So this is an annual event in February. The USDA essentially issues a bunch of projections and estimates and um, some of them I think are more useful than others. I think in the grand scheme of things, um, the report, if you want to call it, that is largely useless and inactionable by us as grain marketers or as farmers. There's nothing in these numbers here that I've seen this week that I can take and use to make a decision. That's just not how this sort of thing works. That's really not how USDA numbers work in general, I mean, very seldom do you get an actionable piece of information from from the USDA, whether it's in this February report, which I think has very little bearing on the market, or even in some of the more important reports. But um, we can get a little bit further into that. So we'll start off with the acreage numbers. And USDA is projecting 2020 corn acreage at 94 million and uh, soybean acreage at 85 million. I don't have any Problem with those numbers. I'm not sure that they are, are uh, reality. We'll find out on March 31st. And that's why part of the reason why the trade doesn't really care a whole lot about this because th- these numbers that were out this week are not survey based. The numbers that will be out on March 31st are survey based and will have a lot more bearing on the trade, uh, traders, and analysts. They'll take them a little bit more seriously, and this stuff today—I mean, it's—it's it's something to talk about. It's something for me to do a podcast about. It's something for people to talk about on Twitter and on um, and in ag media. But in general, there's there's really not much here that you can take to the bank. Now, of even less relevance are the yield and production numbers. U.S. Pro- USDA projects 2021 corn yield at 178.5 bushels per acre. I mean, that's just a trend line number that they're working with. There's no other reason for that. They're just, they're assuming a normal year. Uh, Whether we get a normal year or not, I really don't know. Um, Same thing with the soybean yield. I mean, they're using what is essentially a trend line number, 49.8 bushels per acre. Um, the, The thing with projections, especially projections in February, is that put it this way weather is is what dictates the direction of these markets uh to such a significant extent and the yield number and the acreage number the production number in total is going to impact the demand side of balance sheet in a profound way meaning that if the weather's really good and prices are low we'll see better demand if the weather is adverse and we see lower production; uh, it'll mean higher prices, and therefore worse demand. So this is a, a fluid situation here. Uh, so I, I, there's not really much I can do with these estimates. There were some numbers that really stuck out as as being shocking. Your uh, estimate for corn ending stocks following the 2021 marketing year: 2.637. Billion bushels—that's phenomenally high. Uh, do we ever get there? I sure hope not. I won't say it's impossible. I'd say it's unlikely. Um, I, I think that if if we get into a situation where supplies are that abundant, uh, demand will will grow significantly, and uh, that would be my takeaway there. So you've got some you've got some numbers with a little bit of sticker shock here, I guess. But again, nothing that as a grain marketer or as a farmer, there's nothing here that I believe you can really. Do a whole lot with. There was some discussion regarding uh, the projection for ag exports to China, which was fourteen billion dollars uh, for this 2020, uh, I believe, fiscal year, which ends before the end of the calendar year. It ends in either September, or October. In any case, remember, as part of the trade deal, China committed to thirty-six and a half billion dollars in ag purchases during the 2020 calendar year. Uh, so even with those two months at the end um, being kind of a gray area, I guess, there is a stark contrast between the $14 billion that um, the USDA put in its Ag Outlook Forum and the $36.5 billion that uh, was outlined in the trade deal, which is more likely, if, if I had to guess, to be honest, I'd say the $14 billion is probably more likely to, um, you look at, at the sales and shipments of, of your big player commodities like soybeans, for example, to China, they've been next to non-existent as of late. So we're really going to have to see a big surge in purchases and it's going to have to start really soon if we're going to be 36 and a half billion by December 31st of this year. You know, it's it's most probable if we're going to see a big increase in soybean purchases that we see it say at harvest this fall or after harvest this fall. Because the fact of the matter, as I've said so many, so many times, U.S. soybeans are not going to be competitive uh, because of the situation in South America. Both Brazil and Argentina have record cheap currencies versus the U.S. dollar. They have a freight advantage on anything shipped to China. They've got a combined record crop this year uh, that's that's in the process of being harvested in Brazil. So there are. it's such an uphill battle. Now, are there other products here? That we could see big, where we could see a big surge in exports to China. Sure, uh, pork is a great candidate, uh, given the African swine fever, given record high domestic uh, pork prices in China. I think ethanol or even corn uh, could be candidates. U.S. corn is is essentially the cheapest feed grain available on the global export market. So if we were to sell some corn, whether via ethanol or or directly uh, to China for feed, uh, that would not be totally shocking to me. As a matter of fact given, uh, you know, we've seen some some chatter and some news articles suggest uh, here just this week that China would actually begin some purchases of U.S. ag products as early as the beginning of March. And I actually, I expect to see that. My fear is that they will be kind of short-lived goodwill purchases and they'll kind of try to just essentially show the U.S. government, yeah, we're still interested, but are they going to be enough to even get close to what was laid out in the trade deal. I just I'm still very skeptical about that. Again, I hope I'm very wrong about that. I would love to see China buy every bit of that $36.5 billion this year, every bit of that $42.5 billion next year, whatever the number was, $42, $43.5. Um, I'd love to see all of that happen. It's just that there are a lot of obstacles right now. African swine fever, um, and the reduced need for for soybean meal the big, the Brazilian situation, the currency situation, the freight situation. Uh, coronavirus is such a wild card here. Does expansion of the virus or spread of the virus stop, or does it continue to increase? Um, does it continue to hinder import and export activity in and out of China uh, as it has uh, to this point? These are all things that these are all questions that we just can't answer at this point. So. The take-home for me from these Ag Outlook numbers, the forum numbers that USDA put out this week, I can't really draw any conclusion from any of it. Is there a potential for massive oversupply of corn next year? Sure there is. Could it go the other way? Could we run into a weather problem or a planting problem or better demand? Yes, that's certainly possible. Everything's on the table here. These are educated guesses from the government is what they are. They're educated guesses at the very best. Um, and i i don't really think there's much you can do with it as as i talked about i was on a i was on US farm report <clears throat> last weekend when we taped from the farm machinery show and they asked me what i thought about acreage and i said it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what i think you know even if even if i were to be able to tell you with any deg- w- with with 100% accuracy what the corn acreage number was and say that number was 95 and a half million higher than what everybody thought are you as a farmer going to look at it and say, "All right, well, that's it. I'm going to go sell a whole bunch of these corn today. I'm going to whole price a whole bunch of corn today." I don't think anybody's going to do that, um, mostly because of the fact that corn prices are so low and not profitable for a lot of the country. I think that that's really the most important thing, and th- and that goes back to the um, the fact that the only thing that really matters here is profitability. These these outlook forum numbers all these these educated guesses they're just noise in the market and and they may have some bearing on the trade down the road but for right now I mean there's there's nothing you can really take to the bank here with this stuff on another note uh, President Trump tweeted something out here on Friday indicating that essentially indicating that mFp 3.0 was a possibility and I have thought for a while now that mFp 3.0 was a very strong possibility given everything that I know. There had been some chatter in Washington regarding this. Uh, you look at grain prices, which are under pressure. You look at the fact that this is an election year. And honestly, both both parties, whether you're looking at Trump or you're looking at the Democrats, they are both essentially trying to buy votes here. And I um, I I think that MFP is warranted I think what what the administration has done to to exports and soybeans of of soybeans in particular is is a bad deal and there needs to be some some uh leveling of the scales there but in in any case you know I've I've been told you know all both sides are pandering for votes and and you know the democrats are telling people that College is going to be free and you're going to get your student loans erased and uh, you get free health care and the Republicans are telling the farmers they're going to get checks. And it's all true. I mean, it's the unfortunate reality that we live in is that uh, that's the way that that these politicians uh, see as being the way to be elected is that we've got to throw money out there. And I don't like that. I don't like it from either side, but that's the world that we live in. I don't like the trade war either, but, you know, that's just that's the hand that we're dealt with uh right now. So as we move forward here, what are we going to pay attention to? We're going to pay attention to prices like we always do. Uh, we're going to pay attention to prices and uh, profitability, operating margins, all of that good stuff. Um, I, as I always do, will continue to pay attention to the position of large money managers. I told you in recent weeks that I thought I knew, that the managed money position, the fund position in the wheat market had become extreme. There was a day here earlier this week where private groups estimated that funds were long more than 50,000 contracts of SRW wheat. That's only happened if it happened this week. It would be the third time in the last five years. Those sort of things typically correlate with marketing opportunities. I'll continue to follow that stuff. Um, You can't change your game plan based off of any any of the news that you saw this week you can't while MFP seems probable to me you can't base your grain marketing plan around it that would be irresponsible um, these outlook numbers there's nothing here that I can take to the bank and, and tell you that any of it is accurate with any degree of certainty they're just educated guesses in regard to China it's a wild card uh, will they come in and buy a whole bunch of um, and buy a whole bunch of anything? In the next several weeks, I think they're going to buy something. Uh, what and how and for what delivery period? I really don't know. I, I I just think we're going to see something. I I could I could see corn again. I could see pork, soybeans. I maybe we'll see a little bit, but we're just not competitive there. So th- there's a lot going on this week. There's a lot of headlines going on this week. The markets are going to end the week on kind of a sour note, especially the corn. Deese corn made some new lows um, here on Friday. So. Is this the sort of price action that you want to see? No, it's not. But just keep in mind every year, the last four or five years, even in this bear market cycle, every calendar year has presented you with some sort of marketing opportunity. And um, if I had to guess, I'd say that this year will be no different. That's not just like the Outlook numbers. That's not a prediction you can take to the bank. It's an educated guess at best. But uh, I don't, I put it this way I haven't talked to a lot of farmers that are interested in doing a whole lot of marketing right now. Uh, especially in new crop. I mean, old crop, you're kind of on the clock. You know, a lot of guys are going to need to generate cash. They're going to need to, uh, clear bin space. And you know, here we are, it's almost, it's late February. Things are going to get moving here. Planting will be going before, you know, it. time really, time really flies, uh, especially the longer I'm in this business, the, the, the years just seem to to really fly by, but, uh, you know, be optimistic there'll be opportunities. Just make sure you're prepared, for the opportunities uh, when they present themselves. On yet another note, um, I saw some really terrible uh, grain marketing advice in the ag media this week. And I wanted to comment on that. I I put a post on Twitter and I said this. Uh, I said, I read a dumb article about grain marketing yesterday. My second tweet was this. The commodity business doesn't necessarily attract the most intelligent people. You don't even need a degree or training to be a grain marketing advisor or broker, which should be obvious based on the garbage that is often printed. I'm not saying you're dumb or I'm smart. I'm just saying. And that is the fact of the matter. I've been around this business long enough now. I've worked at enough places, big places, to know that, yes, this business does not necessarily attract in all cases the most intelligent people. This is not like being a doctor where you need to go to med school and go through training. This is not like being a lawyer or an accountant where you've got all sorts of different things that you've got to test through and and years of training and schooling. This is a job that anybody who can pass a, a fairly simple test can can do and uh, I need you to be aware of that. I, I don't know I don't know if if farmers or people generally in the ag community uh, that that follow people like myself are aware of that, but just be aware that a grain marketing advisor, there's no qualification to be a grain marketing advisor. Um, yeah, you need a license from the NFA. It's fairly easy to obtain in my opinion. It's a test that lasts about an hour. but just keep that in mind that when you see something, when you see something in the media that just doesn't look right, or you see some advice, some marketing advice that just sounds kind of crazy, just keep what I said in mind. This business does not always attract the most intelligent people, and I'm not saying I'm the most intelligent person. I'm, I don't believe I am, not by a long stretch. But um, I, th- there's a lot of bad stuff out there, and uh, when you read something in the media, don't take it all very seriously because there's a lot of poison out there. There's a lot of bad things that can lead you to bad decisions. And, um, I thought that was a point that I'd, I'd make today. And, uh, I, I talked about how you don't need a degree or training. I probably should have left out the degree part. I, I do have a college degree in, uh, in ag business, farm and financial management. Um, does that do me a whole lot of good on my job? To be honest, no, it doesn't. I mean, it, it gave me a little bit of a base, but just like any job, the the vast majority of, of what you know, certainly more than 90% of it is on the job that you learn over years and years and years of being involved in the markets or being just like any job or, or of being involved in any business, whether it's farming or grain marketing or trading or whatever your business is, whatever profession you undertake, um, on the job learning is is essential. So um, I I probably should have left off the degree part, but the training part is very important, uh, very very important. And I think experience uh, is is kind of important too. Although I will say that there's people with lots of experience that still um, maybe put out information that is is less than stellar. And I I really I really guys I really try to. St- to stick to my own game plan here. I really try to tune out what everyone else thinks. I really try to put my blinders on as, as much as I can, but every once in a while, I think that there needs to be a discussion about what's out there and why some of it's very bad. Um, be aware, be aware. Thanks for listening. This was a shorter episode. I figured I'd, I'd, uh, put something on tape here while I had a few minutes this afternoon. Everyone have a great weekend. Remember, if you need some more information from me, go to my website. Go to standardgrain.com. Click on Grain Marketing Plan. Take a look at that subscription service. I offer a Grain Marketing Plan for $49 a month. It is a morning email paired with a text message service. You will know exactly when and how I'm marketing corn, soybeans, and wheat throughout the year. Um, You can cancel that deal at any time. So If you get the letter for a month, you don't like it, cancel it. It's not going to hurt my feelings, um, but I do think that that could help perhaps steer you in the right direction. Everyone have a great weekend. Uh, We'll try to get something going here on the podcast on Monday. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Catch you later.